Slick V on the track. God is calling me. I'm in a zone. I gotta see my doctor. God is calling me. I'm in a zone. What's up, y'all? You're listening to the Extra Point College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Carnes, joined as always by my co-host, Daniel Hammock. Daniel, we are fresh off championship weekend. We had an awful week in picks, but congrats on the big win, which we'll talk about all the games here in a second. And then we're recording this on Sunday night, so the college football playoff rankings have dropped. And we're going to spend a good little bit talking about those rankings and Maybe we'll talk about the playoff a little bit, and we'll also do some some bowl mania. So we'll get to all that in the show. A little bit of a packed show tonight, but we'll be timely with how we discuss it. But, hey, conference championship weekend. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. I know that um, sometimes it loses its luster because sometimes the team that's not supposed to be there is there, like Oregon, and then they sneak in and beat a team that had a pretty good-looking season, like USC. So... Uh, let's just let's just start there. Yeah, I'm a little bitter. Uh, so, <laughs> when I did my research to pick that game, all the numbers were point where they were leaning Oregon, right? Especially getting points. And I was like, but I, you know, I can't do that. I got to go hard on this one, pick USC. And the fact that I mean, USC had a short week, and then Oregon had a bye week. I was a little bitter. Yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely surprising to see. Well, because the way Oregon kind of got up, but I mean, you know, USC is never down and out just with Keaton Slovis and everything like this, but I mean, Kayvon Thibodeau and just that defensive line for Oregon, they were trouble. I mean, Kayvon Thibodeau had 12 QB rushes um, or pressures, I guess, where he, uh, that he recorded in a few sacks. I mean, he, he was all over the place. He was getting to the quarterback and um, and getting there often. So he was the best player on the field um, for this game. And, you know, it was just – it was it was fun to watch. It was, a you know, kind of a back and forth, nail-biter here and there. Uh, but, you know, Oregon pulled it out. Um, of course, if you're following us on social media, we were uh, – well, I was, I was tweeting out as many Mighty Duck gifts as I could. Um, and then I was also sending them in some group texts with Jacob. So – um, but also if you saw, we've, you know, Jacob with our new, you know, brand, you know, identity, I guess our brand packet, we started posting, um, you know, all the different conference champions, which I love the look of all of those. They really pop. They really look great. So thanks Jacob for working so hard on all that, but got to see my Oregon ducks on Friday night, put up that green graphic and got to share it on our social media. That was exciting. So um, but you know, it was a fun game, really inconsequential as far as the playoff, which that's what we're really excited to talk about today. But you know, we obviously had our picks decided for the year as far as who was going to come out on top after that first game, uh, because the rest of the way we picked the same, so we're very similar thinking. Um, but we finished at a pretty good clip. Um, we're 56% for me, 55% for you, uh, picking against the spread on the season. So, I mean, I'd say that's pretty good. That's real good against the spread. I challenge anyone who thinks that they know college football to go pick 55% against the spread because it's difficult. It's one thing to pick winners and losers. Another thing to pick how the game's going to actually go out. So, another good season for us. We, did, we had a good season last year, too. So, yeah, proud of us there. Yeah, so, Oregon wins the Pac-12 at 4-2. and two. The Pac-12 just continues to – 
set itself up for failure. <laughs> I mean, yeah. one with, you know, how they handled COVID and stuff like that, getting started late. But this goes beyond just this season. That's a whole other talking point. But this is, you know, 2016 was the last time a, a Pac-12 team got in the college football playoff. That was Washington. And we all know how that semifinal game turned out against Alabama in the Peach Bowl. <laughs> Not great. Yeah. Um, Pac-12 was a lot of work to do. But moving on, because that was, I mean – the least consequential game of right. the weekend on Friday night. Yep. So let's go to some more championship games. At noon, we had two of them on Saturday. And we had Oregon, excuse me, Oklahoma and Iowa State for the Big 12, and Ohio State and Northwestern for the Big 10. Or, oh my goodness, I almost said it again. All the O schools. Yeah. <laughs> Oklahoma and Ohio State come out on top victorious. So Oklahoma, the two-loss Big 12 champion. Five straight for the Sooners, and then Ohio State, undefeated Big Ten champion. They beat Northwestern 22-10. to 10. Which game did you get your, the most eyes on? Did you watch both of them pretty evenly? Um, yes, I think that the nation – I mean, I was wanting my attention to be on Iowa State and Oklahoma because I believe that to be the most evenly matched fun game. However, Northwestern throwing monkey wrench into everything by being up on Ohio State for as long as they were. So I flipped over there and was watching because, hey, this has the most consequence for the playoff uh, because if Ohio State loses, I mean, they're out, you know. And so that was definitely something um, I'm just kind of watching what might be an implosion. Um, You know, Justin Fields didn't have his greatest day. He's kind of had a few rough games this year. Um, which last year he seemed robotic. So it's interesting to see him human and having to kind of bounce back from some adversity. But credit to Ryan Day. Um, I think he's – it, it might sound like it's um, kind of a silly, easy, you know, layup take, maybe something that's a low-hanging fruit. But Ryan Day is an excellent coach. And I think that gets overlooked sometimes with great teams – um, especially since they were already a great team and great program before he took over. But his thumbprints all over this, I just – I like him as a play caller. I think that um, he's really good at making adjustments and kind of seeing two or three steps ahead. And, you know, any old Joe is going to tell you, hey, you really need to just run the ball because your quarterback's struggling and your running back's gashing them. But I think that they they did some some smart things as far as trying to keep – things balanced even when um, it wasn't easy to. And then, I mean, Trey Sermon, got to talk about him, 331 yards. Yeah, I've I've been touting it all year. Um, I definitely think he's a difference maker. And, you know, we're going to talk about the playoff in a minute. I mean, I think that given some traction, Ohio State, I mean, they've got the talent and they've got the ability to play with – and that balance is really going to help them in a game – you know, in, in the playoffs. So I really, you know, enjoyed watching uh, Trey Sermon go off. I think that it was long overdue for him. I'm not sure what his future holds. If he's just going to come back to Ohio State for another year, that's probably the best thing. I know the season's not over yet, but uh, just kind of future casting. Is he going to go pro? He's eligible. He could. Um, I think as a deep running back class, it might serve him well to come back, get another year, have a full season of being the main producer. But that was a that was a – you know, kind of a comeback story for Ohio State. So that was more what I had my eyes on. Oklahoma just kind of pacing ahead of Iowa State the whole time while while that game was going on. I just kind of kept it on a second screen. 
shout out to Northwestern putting up that fight. I mean, North, Northwestern's legit. Like, they're a good football team. That secondary is ridiculous. Pat Fitzgerald just continues to keep that program consistent. I mean, two Big Ten West titles in the last three years, that's huge, especially considering, you know, last year, nor they yeah, were last year. Definitely. Um, so, I mean, just wanted to shout out to Pat Fitzgerald Northwestern for coming back and having a great season again this year. Yeah, I had – I was the opposite. I, like, turned on Oklahoma, Ohio State first. Oh, my gosh. Oklahoma and Iowa State first. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot talk. Uh, I turned on Oklahoma and Iowa State first, and it was like I couldn't – I'd go to turn to the other game, and then as soon as I went to commercial, I'd come back, and then I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't, I can't go off of this game. Because, right. yeah, Oklahoma did pace ahead, but it was like – for the whole game, you just thought like Iowa State was like a play away because yeah. that's how they've been. And then that comeback started like right there at the end of the third quarter and they scored again and they were within six and, you know, or within three. And then Oklahoma kicked that field goal right. where, I, you know, I thought that was when we were in trouble for a cover because I'm like either Iowa State's going to have to win this game outright because they're not going to go down there and kick a field goal. Like, right. They're going to have to go for it and fourth down. Exactly. Uh, so that's when I knew the cover was probably over at that point. But – Hey, Oklahoma wins the Big 12 again. I mean, just the best team and best program in that conference consistently for, I mean, literally two decades, and it's not close. Oklahoma has yeah. dominated the Big 12. They've been the best team and the best program. And shout-out to Lincoln Riley. Has never not won the Big 12 as a head coach for Oklahoma. <laughs> so That's crazy. undefeated in Big 12 championships. And that defense it continues to be the story, and that was always the punchline for everybody. And, you know, you've mentioned it several times, obviously, Alex Grinch, we know his name um, as a defensive coordinator, but uh, we've definitely seen just a change in how they're winning games. Um, still offense is their primary, but, you know, they're definitely able to situational defense. That's the name of the game here. You got to have an offense to do all the things you want it to do. And then you got to have situational defense. And they've really improved in that area. I think it comes down to focus and fundamentals um and they've definitely done those things well and it's paid off in the form of a big 12 championship so we try not to do hot takes on here because i think some people do hot takes just to do hot takes for the sake of it right for the sake of it yeah i don't even know if this is a hot take but i mean oklahoma is going to be in the playoff next year i think they're going to be one of the top three or four teams next year like there's no doubt in my mind like i'm excited for oklahoma in 2021 for like Spencer Rattler to have his second year in the system. And they have so many young wide receivers right now. Like, well, second year starting in the system, that'd be his third year right, in right, the right. system. Cause he's right. been practicing for a year, that kind of thing. So another pod excited for yeah. Oklahoma in 2021. Uh, in the afternoon, we had the biggest game of the day, which was Notre Dame and Clemson. And we thought the 10 and a half was pretty disrespectful to Notre Dame, but <laughs> Vegas knew, <laughs> um, Clemson just, I mean, we saw what a healthy Clemson did. And, I mean, honestly, Notre Dame's offensive line did not have the best day. Ian Book did not have the best day. Like, I, I still think, and we'll get to this, but Notre Dame's still a top-four team. They had a bad day. Right. And when you have a bad day against Clemson, you get blown out. And so they get blown out by Clemson, both get into the playoff, which, hey, they split the games. Their only loss was to each other think it's how it should be but I mean Clemson ETN had a good game Trevor Lawrence I think you saw what the 
Trevor's presence added to the run game because of his threat with his legs. It just, it opens up the run game for Clemson. Like him being successful really does just make them tick. And there's a reason why he's going to be the number one overall draft pick next year. I also think if you look at it that they, in the first game, Clemson didn't run as much with a QB, um, like you were mentioning. Uh, they had they had it to keep them honest, but I think you're worried about injuries and that stuff. And this is like for a championship, so you're just going full bore, you know, no stops or anything like that. And the defense, those guys being back uh, for the defense was really the, the key for this game, I think, was just how the – I mean, because Clemson scored about the same amount of points that they did, if not the exact same that they did the first game. Um, defensively was the difference, and they were just able to get after uh, Notre Dame and, you know, make them one-dimensional and make them have to, you know, make Ian Book scramble for his life and try to find receivers and stuff like that. So uh, Clemson definitely flipped the switch on that. But, um, you know, definitely I think we're kind of in the same boat with Notre Dame that they had done the work wire-to-wire of the regular season um, to be where they wanted to be come – championship game and playoff time. So um, Notre Dame did a good job of locking and staying focused uh, up until that point. And, I mean, when you run into a Clemson, you run into a Clemson, you know. Clemson had everything to lose, and Notre Dame knew that, frankly, they could lose and make the playoff. So not that that was – not that they would take their foot off the gas for that reason, but there's a little difference. You're backed into a corner versus knowing that there's another path for you. So – it's just a little bit different mindset. Notre Dame lost this game in the first quarter. They they drive down the red zone at the settle for a field goal. And field goals don't win football games. Um, the next drive, they drive down the red zone, miss a field goal. The next drive, they drive into the red zone, go for it on fourth down, and don't get it. And it was just like when you have three scoring opportunities and you get three points out of it, Right. Like, game was over at that point. Um, and the offense never really clicked after that. I thought, I thought it was really deflating. Um, but, hey, they'll have another shot potentially. Uh, I mean, you're going up against Alabama in the semifinal, so they'll have a shot to prove themselves. Uh, let's go to the Alabama-Florida game. Alabama wins by six. I thought Alabama really controlled the entire game. Um, Florida mounts a little bit of a comeback in the second half. Florida's offense is legit. We knew they were going to give a much better performance than they did against LSU. Uh, you know, a lot, they're going to give Alabama their best shot, and they did. But Alabama wins, and, hey, maybe some adversity is good for Alabama going to the playoff. Yeah, and that's that's straight from the, you know, the mouth of the goat. That's what uh, Nick Saban said as he's coming off the field. You know, maybe we needed, maybe we needed a close call like this or maybe some adversity, um, but – you know, credit to Florida for, you know, after their season basically stolen from them the week before against LSU, um, you know, in a foggy, just weird game, come out. And, I mean, they didn't look intimidated. They didn't look scared. Um, they looked like they were up for the task. Kyle Trask had, you know, a great game. Uh, you know, it just – Alabama is a different animal. They're just always going to be that. And if this if this was a year that Florida got to play someone else from the West, I think this Florida team wins. I'm not just talking about this individual year, but, 
it's a whole psychological edge that Alabama has. It's that something with that brand, with that name. And uh, I know that this is like the classic SEC matchup, SEC championship matchup, because it's happened the most times. I think this was the 10th time that these two teams have matched up in a championship game. Um, and, you know, it's definitely – it was definitely a fun one to watch. I was on the edge of my seat watching the entire game. Um, and there was moments where, and you, Jacob, you and I were texting about this and at parts of the game we were watching together, you know, Alabama would score and it would look like, oh, okay, they're up by two scores, foot on throat, this game's over. And Florida just hung around. They just kept hanging around and hanging around and hanging around. And while they never – you know, really, you know, they never led the game, I don't believe, or uh, I don't think they did, uh, maybe early on. They never led the game. It was in control the whole way, but Florida just kept hanging in there, so there was reason for doubt. And, I mean, Alabama had to play their, their best game. They basically had to, hey, offensively, they had to stay locked in. And then, you know, defensively, they got stops where needed. Um, but, I mean, my goodness, it was – it was just fun. It was a fun SEC championship game, and too many of these end in a lopsided blowout one way or the other. So it's, it's nice to get a good game. I thought clock management at the end of the game was a little interesting, um, calling a timeout to go for two. I, I like the call from Mullen because he's basically saying, I'm not trying to go to overtime with these guys. I want to get the ball back and win it. So I definitely understand his thought process. Uh, calling a timeout there to do the two-point conversion play, I thought was obviously a waste. It ended up costing them in the long run with not having much time left at the end of the game um, where you couldn't you couldn't take that sack that Trask took and pop up and try to clock it or do something. Uh, Trask had no chance to get back up and, and try to make another snap. So, uh, fun game, and but it kind of just cemented what we already thought, that Alabama is the best team in the nation. Yeah, Florida, I was impressed with, like you said, the way they hung around. I mean, you go into halftime down 35-17, which is – I mean, that's 18 points against the best offense in the country. And Florida comes out and outscores them 14 nothing in the third quarter. Like, right, right back in the game. And then Alabama, you know, did what they needed to to win the game. This, this offense is unbelievable for Alabama. But credit to Florida for the way they played. They definitely gave Alabama their best shot in – and unfortunately for Florida, Alabama's just better. But hey, I think <laughs> join the club because Alabama's probably better than everybody else in the country. We'll uh we'll yeah. see if they get to prove that in the playoff. But that's our opinion, at least going into it, is that Alabama's the best team and that's that. It's pretty much been that way all season. And but Clemson's peaking at the right time. So we'll see if we get Bama Clemson part, what is it, five, six <laughs> in the uh in the playoff this year. But Hey, let's talk playoff. Uh, we didn't mention Cincinnati beat Tulsa by three. So shout out to Hunter because that was within that first point spread. Does that so, mean Hunter is tied with Josh Pate for five and two? Are we going to give it to him? I mean, <laughs> three point loss. For you know what, I Hunter. Let's just let's just do it. Hunter is our friend. I mean, Josh Pate friend of the show, but Hunter's our friend too. So we'll uh. We'll say it. Josh Pate and, and Hunter tied five and two. Clubhouse leaders for our guest pickers. How about it? So yeah, Cincinnati 
wins 27 to 24 against Tulsa. Tulsa kind of mounted a comeback there in the second half, but hey, they finished nine or no American Conference champs, which we predict we predicted at the beginning of the season. So playoff. Well, I tweeted last night that there should be no surprises today, and there wasn't. It was pretty simple to me. Alabama's number one, undefeated. They've looked like the best team all season, SEC champion. Uh, Clemson will be number two as the one-loss ACC champion. Ohio State would be number three as the undefeated Big Ten champion. And Notre Dame will be number four as the one-loss ACC runner-up, with their only loss being to Clemson, who they beat during the regular season. So to me, it was, don't be surprised. Here we are. Here's our four. But (laughs) Daniel, I made a post on Facebook today that – Got a lot of traction, to say the least. And it sounds like there's a group of a big group of people that don't agree with the top four. And here's the thing. With any sort of playoff and selection process that's not black and white, there's always going to be controversy. Whether it was two teams, four teams, eight teams, 16 teams, there's always going to be controversy about that last spot. And whether, you know, one or more teams should have been in that last spot over the team who got in. And in this case, it was really two spots that were being argued over. It was Notre Dame and Ohio State. There's people arguing that Notre Dame, hey, they got blown out by Clemson. They don't deserve to be in, right? Then it's Ohio State who only played six games. They don't deserve to be in. Daniel, I'll throw it to you. Did the committee get it right, in your opinion? Why or why not? And if not, who would you put in? And if they got it right, then, you know, why they get it right? What do you think? So <clears throat> you and I are both in the same kind of camp, I think. We've talked about it before, about never really expanding the playoff. There is a certain amount of winning a national championship that needs to be exclusive. And when I say exclusive, I don't mean, hey, I only want the teams with the most money or the biggest brand awareness or this or that or whatever. But I want the four best teams to be in the in the playoff and it you know the BCS had a way of you know diagramming and making it where the top two teams would go now uh, something that Josh Pate said uh, the past two weeks I can't remember exactly when he said it um, he said on Twitter he's like I'm not going to have sympathy for people who say that it's not fair that these teams you know are are in the playoff every year or near the top because they've not always been, you know, number one. Like Clemson had to build their program a certain way, and it takes buy-in from the fan base, takes buy-in from the donors, takes buy-in from the whole program, the whole organization from the top, you know, to the lowest of the low, you know, everybody working together to do something, to to take these steps to move forward. And, uh, you know, Alabama's been huge, but what was Alabama, Jacob, in the early 2000s? Well, they're, Nothing. they're on probation is what they were. They're on probation. They're under Mike Shula as a head coach. They were going six and six. They were getting beat by teams that they shouldn't get beat by. And then they said, okay, enough is enough. They, their, you know, probation ended. And they hired Nick Saban, and the rest is history. As far like now, now it seems trivial. Like, oh, Nick Saban was available. Like, oh, and they took him from you know the Miami Dolphins. He was with LSU before. It's like it's crazy. So you look right. at that, but yeah, you've got to look at this investment now. 
you could argue Texas A&M's making that investment and they've made strides. Look at where they are. They're number five. They've made strides and they're on the cusp because they've made that investment in Jimbo Fisher and they are a fan base that's all in on trying to get there. They're scratching on the, you know, on the, you know, on their on the doorstep. So I think that that's something coming. Now, I know that you asked me as far as which team should be in. I think that these four teams are the correct four teams. And Alabama, because it's obvious, if anyone has an argument with Alabama, then stop <laughs> watching college football today and just move on with your life. Number two, Clemson, ACC champ, one loss, only loss, the team that they ended up beating in the championship. That's a no-brainer. And Clemson is has the pedigree and everything else. So they're in. Okay, Notre Dame, I'm going to argue, is the third best team but I like where they put them at number four because of seeding purposes. I understand exactly why that happened. So Notre Dame goes wire to wire of the regular season. And if this is a normal Notre Dame season, guess what Notre Dame is? Undefeated. But they did what they needed to do. They joined a conference. They beat Clemson in the regular season and then played them again. And uh, should we, you know, say, hey, you have this one loss to Clemson, it's worse than – this one lost Alabama, you're, it, it, it's either or. So if your argument is going to be like Texas A&M or Notre Dame, I mean, I don't I – I see the argument, but also Texas A&M didn't play for their championship. Notre Dame played for the championship. That's their only loss. So and that's they, why they, – They beat the team they got blown out by. And they beat, they beat the team that they got blown out by. So that, they have that, that, that data point there. Now, if you're going to make an argument – if someone wants to step to the table and argue about Ohio State, fine. My argument is if you're a fan of that team, you know, argue. That's fine. But if you're just a general fan of another team and you don't think that Ohio State is is worthy, then what are your reasons? Is it because they beat a top 15 team by seven points and you don't think that that was enough? Is it because they were had a shortened season due to COVID you know, because of their conference not having great leadership? Is it because, you know, they've tried to play these extra games. They tried to play, you know, and the conference wouldn't let them. So why would Ohio State be penalized for that? Now, look, six is kind of skating on the bare minimum. If they played four games, we're not talking about this. That really is just four games, and I'm probably moving on from this. But six, I think that's enough. Um, I know it's subjective, but – what part of this isn't subjective? So we're going to talk about four best teams. I think it's Ohio State. If if we get to this point where we're talking about deserving versus best, okay, let's lay out the resumes. Okay, if the resumes are close enough where you don't know what you want to do, how about this, Jacob? Put Ohio State and Texas A&M. Give it to Vegas. Who's going to be the favorite? Ohio State by probably 10. Okay, Ohio State by 10. Now, nothing's ever played on paper, but I'm using this simply as a data point of, like, between the two. But Ohio State played for their conference championship and won their – excuse me, won their conference. If your argument is they should have played four or five more games and maybe they lose one of those games, okay, well, uh, if Ohio State is 10-1, and Jacob, and they're – Big Ten Conference champion. Um, what are we doing with them? 
Are they sitting at Putting home watching? Putting them as a three seed. <laughs> okay. So just curious, like that, if that's the whole argument, Texas A&M, hey, you had a great season. You have turned your program around under Jimbo Fisher. You're climbing. You're doing what you need to do. There is something exclusive about national championships. You have to. You can't be good. You can't be really good. You can't be, man, we're awesome. You have to be great or elite. Those are the two options. And Alabama and Clemson are elite. Ohio State and Notre Dame right now I think are great teams. And I think that – I mean, I – I think we're going to get an Alabama-Clemson final, but if you're – I mean – I'm sorry, Jacob. I feel like I'm talking a lot. Do you want to jump in on this? I'll, I'll throw it back to you, and then I'll have a couple more points. Let me, let me ask you one more question, and then I'll, okay. yeah, I'll go – I'll give you my opinion. Cincinnati. Does Cincinnati deserve a spot in the top four? And you already said they got the top four right, so the answer would be no. But where do you put Cincinnati? Where does Cincinnati's resume compare to – Texas A&M or Ohio State or Notre Dame? It's, it's difficult, especially in a year like this where there's not as much non-conference play. Cincinnati can't schedule these extra games against a bigger opponent. They are limited by what their conference allows. And then, you know, I think they may have played some non-con. I don't know exactly about what the American did this year. Um, but if they – Cincinnati played the schedule that these others did – then I think that they probably have a loss or two. Um, they just don't have quite the resume. And, I mean, look, they they won their conference game, their championship against Tulsa, who's, you know, a decent team, but they beat them by three in the championship. And, you know, I'm not sure that Cincinnati it, – it's difficult. There's going to have to be a year where – for, for these playoff teams – for a playoff team to make it out of the group of five, first of all, I think is near impossible. So I'll say that. The only way it's going to happen is if a team runs the table and they have non-conference games against some bigger schools and have big blowout wins against them. And even then, it's going to be teetering on the brink of – it just – they're at the mercy of what the power five is. This is another podcast to discuss, but I believe that there should be a group of five championships separate so they have something to play for. Otherwise, just be satisfied with your New Year's Six invite because that's a great bowl game that they're going to get to play in in the Peach Bowl. I, I don't know. You know, I mean, you can argue. that They, they probably have the best argument because they control what they could control. They won every game that they had. But I still would, I still would take Ohio State and Notre Dame ahead of Cincinnati. So let me start here. I don't think that the current system is the best way to do it. I don't. You have 12 athletic directors that are on payroll for some of these schools that either are being talked about or are rivals with or in the conference with the schools are talking about. Um, <laughs> they tweeted out a picture of them watching the games <laughs> and it just looked miserable like they looked like they were having the worst time watching college football so as far as the eye test thing goes like the I just I don't think it's the best system for this yeah. like you know not just a committee but who's on the committee don't think it's the best way to do it I don't think the committee got the rankings com like right I think there are some teams who got absolutely screwed you know who didn't get screwed Texas A&M or Cincinnati 
because they got the top four right. <laughs> and that's what's important. Like, that's what's important is getting the top four right. The whole reason we went to a playoff is, number one, because of money. Because money talks and people want to see more high-stakes, exciting games. And the playoff has made some people a lot of money. Number two, people complain the BCS era. The two is not enough. And they were all, it was only happened a couple of times. But there's been years where three teams deserved to compete for a national championship. It's never been four, ever. Four was because you can't do three. So right. let's go to four. Last year is a prime example of one of the few years where you had three teams, um, LSU, Clemson, and Ohio State, who were all undefeated conference champions, where two teams would not have worked last year. Yeah, the BCS had would to have not have worked three. last year. Right. The BCS would not have worked last year. One of the few you years would have had a not Auburn, have worked. oh, is it 2004, 2003 with Auburn, yep. where they go undefeated and they get left out, 13-0 and 0 left out. That's yep. you know one of those few times. So, which is why we created the playoff. It's never been more than four, though. I'll save that for another podcast we're going to do in the off season. That being said, they got the top four teams right. They did. Alabama is an undefeated conference champion of the SEC, number one seed, no brainer. Clemson, number two seed, one loss, ACC champion, ten and one, no brainer. Number three, I'm with you. I would rank Notre Dame number three over Ohio State because, yes, they did play more games in Ohio State and they beat the team they lost to. So I would rank Notre Dame at number three and Ohio State at number four. But they got the four teams right. Ohio State won every game they played. There's things you can control. There's things you can't control. What can you not control? COVID issues with other teams canceling games. Your conference canceling the season, then trying to do it in the middle of fall. That's what you can't control. So if that's your argument against Ohio State, you can't control that. It's 2020. Everyone is doing the best they can. Did the Big Ten botch a lot of this season with their leadership? Absolutely. But we can't control that. What Ohio State can control is let's beat every team that's put in front of us. And they did. And they beat, in those six games, two top 15 opponents. Now, not just when they played them, but Indiana's at number 11, Northwestern's at number 14. They beat Indiana by 7, Northwestern by 12. So... Cincinnati has zero top 15 wins. Texas A&M has one over a three-loss Florida. And it was by three. And they got blown out by number one. So all that being said, they, they got the four right. I, the only team I would hear an argument for is Cincinnati. And again, if, you, if, if you're having to split hairs and comparing resumes, Ohio State has more top 15 wins. Both went undefeated. Both won their conference. And so if your argument to me is, well, Cincinnati played more games, and that's the best you got. I'll raise you with, well, Ohio State played more quality games. They beat two top 15 teams. You have to compare resumes. Uh, the whole group of five playoff is another conversation, another podcast episode, which we will do in the offseason. So be looking out for that. But bottom line, they got the top four right. Outside the top four, teams that got screwed. Number one, Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina is undefeated, they won the Sun Belt, and here's the thing. They are ranked behind Iowa State. What's the problem with that? Well, Iowa State has three losses, number one, and a common opponent with Coastal Carolina. That common opponent, Louisiana, who Coastal Carolina beat, and Iowa State lost to by 17. So Coastal Carolina not being in a New Year's Six Bowl 
is baffling to me. They need to do away with the near six bowl auto bids where if you win, you know, the conference you're affiliated with, you automatically get in this near six. No, do the top 12 teams and give us the best games. Do five versus six, seven versus eight, nine versus 10, 11 versus 12. Those will be the best games. I also don't know how Oklahoma jumped Cincinnati. Like Cincinnati not playing the last few weeks and moving down two and then up one, it just it's inexplic it's inexplicable. The committee has no explanation for that. So the committee's lack of transparency with some of this is what's aggravating. They should televise the selection process. I'll watch all of it. <laughs> like I really will. Um, so yeah, all that being said, I don't agree with how the committee does things. Yeah. But they got but they got the top four teams right this year. And they have Almost every year. The, the only years where you have controversy was, okay, 2014, the year of the first playoff. TCU was number three, right, heading into the last week of the season. They dropped from three to six, by, like not playing a game. And Ohio State snuck in, but guess what? Ohio State won the national championship that year. <laughs> yeah. And then 2016, the Ohio State over Penn State, with Ohio State having not won its conference, and then Penn State – Won the Big Ten, but had one more loss in Ohio State. But to beat Ohio State head-to-head, Ohio State gets in the playoff, gets blown out. My whole reason of saying that is, why are people mad this year? There's been much worse years of the playoff where they they really did screw up. They did not screw up this year. Like, what's the hostility about? I It has it has to be number of games and then just natural. There's There is, because of the coverage that both – Ohio State and Notre Dame receive. Um, there's just a, a lot of people hate both of those places, both of those teams, both of those brands, both of those schools. And so, you know, they they want them to not be in and they'll pound their chest for somebody else. But it's like you said, it first of all, it, it doesn't matter because the odds of a number four beating a number one is equal to that of a – 16 seed being a one seed in the NCAA tournament, which has happened one time ever. So, you know, I, I don't believe that – I don't believe that a four seed will ever win. The trick is to getting to the top, you know, top three, really. Uh, and that's that's the key. Four, you're basically a sacrificial lamb for whoever is just, you know, killing every team this year, which in this year is Alabama, which is – many years so i mean notre dame so, oh, go ahead. only exception was that first year because ohio state was that four seed in 2014 when they beat alabama with z oh they and, were the, uh, i had it i thought it was uh oh yeah because that was oregon and florida state yeah, were two with, and three uh, <laughs> with uh oh gosh Jameis is a little fumble there. Yeah, at the where end he like anyway. he had like a little, little seizure there uh, and threw the ball. So, well, but it's rare. It, it might not happen again. It, yeah, it might not. And I, I just like I agree with the the three teams is really all it's ever been. I mean, shoot, they could go back to the BCS and it'd be fine as far as getting two teams that are worthy of playing for the national championship. If they lined up Clemson and Alabama. Who would really be arguing with that? I mean, I don't think there's a legitimate argument for those two teams not being one and two, but there's all these arguments for, you know, three through six or three through seven. It's like that 
I mean, it's, it's creating this extra mess where, I mean, we're most likely going to see Alabama and Clemson playing again for that national championship. So, Here's the other thing I heard is, who would you not want to play right now? That's irrelevant. You know why? Because you have a full season to watch the teams. And if a three-loss team looks unbeatable by the end of the year, well, they also lost three games. North Carolina would be a really good example of that. Like, hey, they right now look like a top-10 team, but you can't ignore those three losses to Virginia, Florida State. Like, can't take that off. Georgia right now. Georgia looks pretty dang good since they got that new quarterback. And you can't ignore the lost Alabama, lost to Florida. Oklahoma, can't ignore a loss to Kansas State or Iowa State earlier in the year. So, these teams that have multiple losses that <laughs> even Herb Street said on the broadcast today when it came on, right before I turned it off, was just like, what about Oklahoma and Georgia? And I'm like, please stop. Like, <laughs> the, the four is the four. It's full body of work. It's not about who would win on a Vegas point spread in week 16. It's about the full resume. What have you done? What have we seen? Results on the field. And based on the results on the field in 2020, the committee got the four teams right. And I'm excited to watch the playoff. I am glad that they moved the Rose Bowl to, to Dallas so that families can attend, which Brian Kelly mentioned beforehand. He said that he was excited about that today. But I just like <laughs> – I've just been confused all day as to why this year is the year people are open arms. I mean, I opened an ESPN article that said like – I have it pulled up right here. Welcome once again to the Alabama Clemson College Football Playoff Invitational where it hardly seems to matter who earned the right to take on the two clear favorites to make the national championship game. Like, it just – why is it this year you're upset about that? Why is it that, like, you know, people have said it's bad for the sport that the same six teams are competing for national championships? It's always been a top six teams competing for national championships. That has always been that way in college football. It will always be that way in college football. Like, this isn't a 2020 thing. I just think this is all going to die down in a couple of years, and then maybe in like eight years from now, it's going to cycle back. And the argument for you, it's like I was saying earlier, is get into that top six of teams by recruiting, by you know, caring about your sport, by going to games, by buying hire the know, right coach. Exactly, getting the this kind of is is it's just wild. So that's one of the things that's you got to find your guy, and you got to you got to get there. So, but. I'm excited. This is this is definitely something we're excited about. Um, just really quickly going to mention, you know, obviously our, our season ended as far as, you know, picks against the spread. We really just appreciate everybody, you know, all of our guest pickers that we had throughout the year that made it a lot of fun. Everybody who weighed in on social media letting us know, we really appreciate that. Something we would like to do is uh, we're actually going to do a, a College Bowl Mania uh, pick group. We're going to do it on – ESPN is just the easiest thing to do. Uh, we're going to send a link out to our group if you'd like to join. Um, just follow us on the social media channels, and we're happy to do that. Um, you can pick against us. We get to see, you know, what we're going to do. We're just going to go straight up picking against the, you know, these these bowl games. It actually starts. You'll you'll be hearing this. You know, we're recording this on a Sunday night. It actually starts on a Monday when you're probably listening to this because that's when the show is going to post. Um, so we'll send that link out y'all, you know, join it. Uh, if you want to, we're just going to pick straight up against, um, uh, you know, who's, who's going to win each bowl game. Um, and you know, we'll just have a good time with it. You know, if it's, if it's huge, great. If it's just a few people, great. 
you know, um, we might that might grow into something bigger in future years, but just something we like to get started with. It's kind of short notice. That's why it's not su such a big to do because of how COVID is. These games are starting tomorrow. So, um, you know, y'all get registered, get st set up really quick. If you've got an ESPN account or a Disney account, it's super easy to do. Um, and you can even download an app for it on your phone. So just wanted to throw that out there. Y'all look at that um, on both Facebook and Instagram at the Extra Point Pod. And then both both of our Twitters, we might tweet it out. We'll see. But at Jacob Carnes with a K, at Deep South Daniel. Love it. Yeah, we're uh, – I know the college ball season is winding down, but we are not. We have – I mean, we have a note full of off-season podcast ideas. And, hey, the season's not over. We got a lot of bowl games to talk about. I do want to mention the New Year's Six Bowl games. So, in obviously the semifinal games in the Rose Bowl, you've got Alabama and Notre Dame. In the Sugar Bowl, you've got Ohio State and Clemson. Let's talk about the rest of the New Year's Six. So, you've got um, in the Cotton Bowl, Oklahoma and Florida. That'll be a great matchup of two of two of the best offenses in the country. So, it should be a really fun one. Um, Peach Bowl. Cincinnati coming off of the, hey, we're ticked off we didn't get in the playoff versus a Georgia team with a new quarterback and some opt-outs. So it could be an exciting Peach Bowl. Orange Bowl, Texas A&M, North Carolina. I'm all for Mac Brown against Texas A&M. <laughs> all in. <laughs> that's got a lot of fun, little undertones to it. Um, and, uh, and same thing with Cincinnati. A&M, maybe mad they get left out. So fun one in Miami. Lastly, the Fiesta Bowl, Iowa State and Oregon so some fun New Year's six matchups again I just have to mention a couple teams got screwed Coastal Indiana like those those two teams should be over uh, Iowa State and Oregon in my opinion yeah but, hey I was just gonna quick mention I know I'm just calling an audible here Jacob but um, you know we want to get more reviews on our Apple uh, subscription also if you do it on Spotify but if you leave us a five-star review and just any note that you want to mention or maybe a podcast idea or a question you want us to answer we're happy to do so on the pod um, we'll you know kind of collect those maybe have one big episode to get, dive into all of them so we're just going to kind of maybe start to collect those if y'all have something that's really burning you want it to be talked about you're a fan of a obscure team that never really gets talked about ask a question. We're happy to answer it. We're happy to do some research and dive into it. We'd love to. We'd love to connect that way. And we'd love to get some more ratings on, on all the platforms. So leave us a five star and leave us a question or a comment. We're happy to, happy to read those. That's a good call, Daniel. Well, that will do it for this edition of the Extra Point. Man, he's already told y'all our social, so I don't have to mention it. But he is Daniel, and I'm Jacob. See ya. Yeah!